You are listening to a message from the Living Word community in Center City, Philadelphia. We are followers of Jesus Christ, called to love God and love people, to share Jesus and help people experience true life change that can only come from knowing Him. We hope that you enjoy this message today. good day. Amen. Right? God is awesome. So um, let's pray real quick. All right, dear Lord, we just come before you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy, your love, your greatness, Lord God. So I just love uh, what you did through Alex, Lord God, uh, uh, you know, or even in spite of Alex. I don't know what it was, but, uh, but Lord God, you, you, you do what you do, and you're amazing, Lord, and I just thank you um, for how much you love us how much you care for us, Lord God, how much you do for us every day. So, Lord, we just uh, lift up this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's been a minute since I've been up here. Uh, I think, yeah, it's like June, I think, since I preached. So, but, but it's good, though. Um, you guys didn't want to hear me anyway, right? No, you didn't. Right. That's right. No, 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 you didn't. You didn't. So uh, we've been reading through the book of uh, Ezekiel, which has been great. Uh, a little bit different uh, than, you know, a lot of things I've been reading, and you see, like, you know, the Lord speaking through Ezekiel and doing his thing, and, and so today, we're supposed to be reading Ezekiel 22, so that's what I'm going to speak out of, all right? So why don't you turn with me to Ezekiel 22, and you can turn to, to verse 23, starting in verse 23, all right? So it says, Again, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, say to the land, you are a land that has not been cleansed or rained on in, a day, in, in the day of wrath. There is a conspiracy of her princes within her like a roaring lion tearing its prey. They devour people, take treasures and precious things and make uh, many widows within her. Her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. They do not uh, distinguish between the holy and the common. They teach, in their <clears throat> they teach that there is no difference between unclean and clean. They shut their eyes uh, to the keeping of my Sabbaths so that I am profaned among them. Her officials within her are like wolves tearing their prey. They shed blood and kill people to make unjust gain. Her prophets... Uh, whitewash these deeds for them by false uh, visions and lying div divinations. They say, this is what the Lord, the sovereign Lord says. When the Lord has not spoken, the people of the land practice extor extortion and commit robbery. They oppress the poor and needy and mistreat the foreigner, denying them justice. I look for someone among them uh, who would build up a wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their, their own heads all they have done, declares the Sovereign Lord. That's some tough stuff, right? That's some, mm, yeah. You know, reading 
the word of God, you know, Ted was, speak, uh, was speaking about this last week, and he said, yeah, there are a lot of good things that the Lord says, and there are a lot of, you know, things that are pretty hard that he says. Um, there's some admonishment, or, yeah, so it, it, there's a lot of things that the Lord says, good and bad, you know, and it's good to take it all in. It's good to hear it all, good to, you know, read it all, and see what the Lord has to say to us through it. Amen? Amen. All right, so it's good to be back here, be, you know, up front uh, speaking. You know, our family was on vacation uh, <laughs> uh, for, you know, a couple weeks ago. We traveled to Myrtle Beach. I'd never been to Myrtle Beach before, and it was really nice. It was good to get away. You know, it was good to, you know, not have to worry about stuff, although I do worry all the time about different things that's happening here, but that's just me, so you can just you know, forgive me for that and <laughs> whatever, uh, or pray for me for that. But uh, we, it, was a good, it was good for us to get away. You know, it was good for us to get away. It's been, it had been a while, and, and we had to go to South Carolina. And now to get to South Carolina, you know, we traveled on, south, on 95 South, right? And, uh, you know, we traveled on long stretches of roads, and we traveled on many bridges, right? And, and living here in Philadelphia, in the Philadelphia area, there are many many bridges, and many, many small and some large, right? Because there's so many different valleys and whatever, rivers and things like that that we have to cross over. You know, bridges are used to assist travelers, you know, get, getting to get from one place to another. And often, you know, they're built over rivers and, and streams or ravines and, you know, it, 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 uh, and things that are, are too deep to securely, you know, extend the road over. You know, without a bridge, you know, you could only go so far. You know, then you would have to be, you'll be either forced to walk, you know, whether, whether you know, if, if it's a ravine or, you know, in the case of, uh, uh, of, uh, or of a river or something or body of water, you have, to, you have to take a boat across them, right? And so the function of the bridge is to close the gap. That's the function of the bridge. You know, it's to close the gap between two destinations. Two destination points and traveling. Excuse me. On ninety five, we could we we could not cross over. We could not get to Virginia from Maryland, you know, even without going over a bridge, because there's the Potomac that's right there. You know, the Potomac River uh, separates them. You know, just like a lot of different states, you can't get across to the from one to the other without taking a bridge. Now the bridge closed the gap between those two states, and the, and this is what we as Christians are called to do, right? We're called to close the gap. We're called to stand in the gap and close it. You know, we are to provide, provide a, a direct link to God for those who are unable or unwilling to stand on their own. That's what we're called to do. So let me talk about some natural examples of what it means to stand in the gap. Right. When we, you know, and then we'll we'll talk about the spiritual side, you know, which is the point of this message. Right. And so uh, start with a newborn baby. Right. You've all been around newborn babies, at least most of us. And everyone who's done anything f to, s to assist a newborn baby has stood in the gap. Anyone who's done anything to, for a baby has stood in the gap. You stood in the gap uh, for the baby because, you know, when the baby the baby can't do for itself, you did for it. If anything the baby couldn't do for itself, you did for it. 
You know, so the baby was hungry, right? The baby had no means of feeding itself without your help. They couldn't do it by themselves. Your understanding of the needs of the baby came out, you know, and, and you fed the baby, right? You feeding the baby was standing in and filling the gap between, you know, the baby's hunger and the food. You know, how many of you have uh, gone shopping for someone who, you know, who was unable to leave their home or couldn't really get out and do shopping for themselves, right? The gap was that they needed is what they needed, and, and they couldn't fulfill for themselves, right? And when you went shopping for them, you stood in the gap and closed it. That's what you did. You know, and the last example is, you know, how many of you have, have ever prayed for someone, you know, whether they requested it or not, right? We've done that all, you know, all the time, but the Lord has led you to do it. And uh, when you stood and kneeled before the Lord or, or in prayer or, 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 or for someone else, you were standing in the gap. You were standing in the gap. And you were fulfilling the need for someone who was unable or unwilling to do it for themselves. You know, standing in the gap is our duty. That's what we're called to do. It's our calling as believers. And God is looking for those who are willing to stand for those who cannot stand for themselves. So the question is, are you willing? Are you willing to stand in the gap? Silence, right? No one says anything. No, okay. But now, accepting the call to stand in the gap is one of the most important things we can do as, a, as believers, as a Christian. We have to accept that call. You know, you need to understand that things happen when we stand in the gap. When, Christ, when, a, Christian, when a Christian prays, things happen. When we pray, things happen. When God touches our hearts to, and leads us to pray for or intercede for on behalf of someone else or, or something else, things happen. Things happen. You know, we're not, we're not just to live our lives, right? We're not just supposed to live our lives. You know, we're here to influence. Now, influence or being an influencer is like the in term now, Right? Everyone's an influencer, you know, on, on uh, and people make millions of dollars, millions of dollars being an influer, influencer on social media, right? On TikTok and, and YouTube and Instagram, Facebook, you know, Snapchat, whatever it might be. There's new things coming out every day, it seems like, you know, uh, a social media where people can influence other people. You know, we are also called to be influencers, Right. Okay, all right, at least somebody's, like, listening, right? <laughs> we're called to be influencers, you know? And, 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 and we're to influence our families. We're supposed to influence our friends, our community, our city, you know, the state, our, our nation, and the world. That's who we're supposed to be. That's who we're supposed to be. That's what we're called to do. You know, if you're not being a spiritual influence, then chances are that you are being influenced spiritually. When we stand for those who are unable to stand for themselves, we're fulfilling this, the, 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 that spark of grace that each of us has received, right? Look, think about the situation that Ezekiel found himself in, right? Uh, when he received this word from the Lord. Israel was in exile in Babylon, right? They're in exile 
you know, at this time, you know, uh, most of Ezekiel's message focused on the fall of Jerusalem. Their la- basically, it was their last hope. It's their last hope. They were, they were, they were God's covenant people. And, and Jerusalem was a city where God's temple dwelt. God dwelt in his temple. And his temple was there in Jerusalem. You know, however, you know, that didn't bring them out of exile or, you know, save the city, right? That was their, their hope was in there. God had a covenant with them, but they were still in exile. They were still, you know, didn't save the city, didn't bring them out of exile or anything like that. But when you read through, um, when, when you read through ch- uh, chapter 22, God shared with Ezekiel some of the, of the sins of the people. You know, some of the, thing of the, of the sins included, you know, killings, you know, disre- disrespect of parents, you know, sexual promiscuity. Know, contract killings, you know, assassinations, basically. You know, people stealing money from other, you know, other people, you know, killing them to, to take their, their money or do different things and get power. You know, forgetting the Lord was one of the things that, they, that he talks about. You know, obs- uh, uh, oppression of the poor and the needy, you know. If you look at this, uh, you know, all these things are going on in our society today. All these things are going on in our society. Even, our, uh, you know, in our city and even in some of our homes, these things are going on. But it gets worse, right? It gets worse. Because in Ezekiel twenty-two twenty-six, you know, God addresses those who are supposed to be leading the people to him, right? People are supposed to be leading, him to, leading people to him, you know, his, his prophets. And when the preachers, you know, begin to deceive the people, things have gotten extremely, extremely bad. You know, in Ezekiel, in 20, verse 26, it says, her, her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. They do not distinguish between the holy and the common. They teach it, that there is no difference between unclean and clean. And they shut their eyes to, keeping of my, to the keeping of my Sabbaths. So I, so I am profaned among them. So let's talk about what God is saying about his prophets. What is he saying? You know, his priests and his ministers, the people who minister the gospel, people who are supposed to talk about him, share his, uh, uh, to, sh- to share uh, God with them, to share the law with them, you know, the ministers there. Now, I'll use that term because that's something that, you know, you can look, see it in today's, you know, uh, 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 it, the way we see things today, right? You know, the, the ministers, they deceive and lie. Right? And therefore, they mislead the people. They mislead the people. You know, it says, her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. Here, God speaks directly to the deceit of those ministers, of those people, those preachers, those people that, that are supposed to bring the law, who's supposed to lead the people to him, point to God, you know? What they, what they did was negate the word of God. They were negating the word of God. And when we take God's word and commandments and, and change them to meet our own needs, right, and we teach others to do so, we're, we're in fact doing violence to the word of God, to his word, to his law. We can't do that. We can't take the things that God says and changes them to meet our own needs. Can't do it. Not supposed to do that. You know, how many, how many of God's statutes, you know, have we changed to fit our own needs in our lives? 
I mean, I, I'm sure I've done it. I know I've done it. You know, I'm just like, yeah, the worst of us all, right? <laughs> but how many preachers have stood before the congregation and, and told them that God is not concerned about their sins as long as they tithe, right? As long as you give your tithe, as long as you give your money, your offering. You know, God's not concerned about your, your, your sin. How many ministers have stated to the congregation that, that, you know, lifestyle choices are acceptable to God because we must be a people that accepts everyone and everything? That goes on all the time. You know, when we change God's word to fit the needs of the day or to fit, you know, our own life choices, we are doing violence to his word. Doing violence to his word. No, he goes on to say, he says, they teach that there's no difference between unclean and clean. Now, God addresses the even, <laughs> even more specifically that, that these ministers, what these ministers are doing, right? You know, they, they made no distinction between the holy and profane. Everything was acceptable. Everything was good. You know, it was a feel-good atmosphere, right, where sin was never addressed, Sin was never addressed. They no longer taught that the people the difference between what was, was right and accept, acceptable before God and what was wrong. They stopped doing that. You know, remember, uh, what is right in our eyes can, can be extremely wrong in God's eyes. It's just the way it is. You know, that is why we must, we must teach and preach God's word uh, because man's morality, you know, is so flawed that we can justify anything. We can justify just about anything. If you look at the world today, that's what you see. People justifying just about anything and everything. You know, finally, God says, you know, and they shut their eyes to keeping up my Sabbaths so that I am profaned among them. So to put this in terms that we can relate to, you know, these ministers, priests, pastors, etc., you know, no longer saw the need for worship on Sunday, uh, you know, or keep the Sabbath, right? You know, their, their, their Sabbath was on Saturday, right? And they felt no, 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 no longer a need to, 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 to keep that, you know. These ministers did not value Sundays anymore, did not value the Sabbath, did not value coming to worship anymore on the, on the Sabbath day, on the Sunday or the Saturday or whatever, you know, when they met. You know, I'll use Sunday because that's what we use here, right? We think about it on Sunday, you know, we come to worship. But they felt like there was no need to do that anymore, you know, so it was okay to skip church to go to a football game, right, or to watch a football game. It was okay to skip church and sleep in, right? It was okay to come to church, and, and the whole time you were wishing you were somewhere else. I mean, I've done it. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, it's okay to do that. God says that they, they got so bad, they got so bad, that even, when, even he was profaned among them. He was profaned among them. The word profane means, you know, to show disrespect or contempt you know, for sacred things, to, to treat with irreverence or contempt. This is how God, you know, 
this is how God's representatives, right? The, the ministers, the priests were treating him. This is how he was being treated. You know, can you imagine a society where those who represent God treat him with contempt? We're living in one. We're living in one. We have ministers and, and pastors today who are, who are doing all these things and teaching others to do so as well. You know, they have lost their love for God, and, and, and their role as a minister or pastor is all about what they're receiving from the church. You know, there was a story uh, I saw in the news where, I don't know, the, there was a pastor who there's two different stories, right? One pastor was like, oh yeah, they didn't buy him a Rolex, uh, no, not a Rolex, a Movado watch, and so the, the, the people were like poor and whatever. They're, he, he called them all these names because they didn't buy him this watch to, to, to honor him, right? <laughs> Which was crazy. And there was another, I saw this other story where uh, a church got robbed and the pastor, and they said they had like, the pastor had like and his wife had it, like a million dollars worth of jewelry or something like that. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, this is ridiculous. But anyway, sorry, I go on tangents a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, but that's crazy. That's crazy, right? Because people think that, okay, it's about what the church can give them, you know, what, what we can get, you know. So <clears throat> when God revealed this to, is- to Ezekiel, right, it got worse, you know, you see, when, when society is going downhill fast, you would expect that men and women of God, you know, those standing in the gap, would, 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 would be there to tell society that they're going down the wrong path. They're doing the wrong thing. You'd hope to see men and women, you know, God, uh, to, that they would take, you know, take a stand and call sin exactly what it is, sin. You know, when God spoke to, to Ezekiel, this was not the case. God's desire was to spare Jerusalem. He desired to spare Jerusalem, you know, and he sought out someone who could stand in the gap for it. But, he, but look at the results. If you look at, uh, in, down in, in verse 30 and, and 31, it says, you know, I look for someone among them who will build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it but I found no one. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their heads all they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. At the time that Jerusalem fell, Ezekiel and Israel were already in exile. They're already there. It was, a dream, it was their dream that they would uh, be able to return because they were, you know, God's covenant people. And Jerusalem was, was, was it. You know, that's where his temple was. That's, you know, they wanted to return there. When Ezekiel prophesied that Jerusalem would fall, this crushed the people. Crushed them. But look at what, what <laughs> you know, look at what God did. And, and, the, and, and this speaks to the importance of, uh, of someone standing in the gap for the land. God said, I look for someone. I look for someone among those who will build up the wall and stand in the gap on, on, on my behalf, uh, in the, on behalf of the land. And I couldn't, find, I couldn't find anyone. That's what he says. He couldn't find anyone. Anyone. 
God in his grace searched the land for someone who would stand in the gap for Jerusalem. But the wickedness was so extreme, so extreme, that he had no one. There was no one there. He, it, it was left, he, he was left with the only option that, that, that he didn't want to do, you know, and that was destroy Jerusalem. He didn't want to do it. He was looking, but he couldn't find anyone. When we read the last few chapters of, of the book, because we we're reading, you know, we'll read it in the next week or so. <clears throat> Excuse me. We'll see that God promises that Jerusalem will be restored, but the people would have to change. He's like, I'm going to restore the, I'm going to restore Jerusalem, but people are, the people are going to have to change. They're going to have to change. You know, now if you're thinking, you know, about the our, the country that we live in, the United States, you know, the city of Philadelphia, your neighborhoods, you should. You should. We're on a slippery slope, you know, and I believe that God is looking for someone to stand in the gap. He's looking for us to stand in the gap. When you think about the changes that we've t- have taken place over the last. 50 years, right? I'm 49. Yes, I'm old. Old man, right? And uh, what? Well, some people here that are older, but that's okay. I, I can just speak, to my, speak for myself. I don't, I don't want to talk for anybody else, you know. But yeah, in the last 50 years, we've gotten smarter, you know, in some instances dumber, right? Uh, because it seems like you know, without your phone, you can't even, you know, multiply, you know, any, or divide anything anymore. Or you got to look at your phone, do a calculator. Oh, wait, uh, you know, you can't do those things. You know, we've gotten dumber, smarter, you know, much, but much weaker as well. You know, when I was a kid, you know, you turn on the TV by pushing, you know, the button. You had to go walk up to the TV and actually, you know, wait, pull the button to turn it on. I think, right, if I remember correctly, and you turn it, you know, change the channels, you know, yeah, no, those, those are the good old days, you know, you change the channel, there was only like four or five or six, maybe six channels, you know, you turn, you know, turn the button, you turn the channel, you know, you know, my family was talking about this recently, I, I think it was just Rain and Maria and I, I'm not sure, but uh, when we were on vacation, when, you know, at midnight, the TVs went off, right? They played the national anthem, and then it was like nothing. It was like all just you know, fuzz, you know, static on the, on the line, right? That's the way it was. You know, now TV stays on 24-7, and there's always something on, right? Always something you can watch. And people don't, you know, sleep much anymore because there's always something to do, right? When I was a kid, you know, uh, my days in the summer were spent outside, you know, there wasn't 200, you know, TV channels to inter- entertain me, right? There was no Nintendo or PlayStation or Xbox or, or, or a smartphone or any other game or anything like that that would, that, that would take up my whole day. You know, the, you, know, you know, when I was a kid, the, the football game came in a box, right? And you would, like, line up the men and you turn the game on and it would vibrate. Like, and then the guys would, like, move around and do different things, you know, that was, you know, a football game. It wasn't, the, it wasn't a video game, you know. We, it's funny because like we, um, we were, when I was when I was young, we were like the only family that I knew that of my friends that had a computer, right? We had a computer uh, that my mom would, my mom got from her school, 
which is which is great for us. But they had like the the big five and a quarter inch floppy disks that only held like a hundred kilobytes of of, uh, of information. You had to stick one in and you turn you know load that in, then you had to take that out, put another one in, and load that. It was crazy. Then we moved up to the three and a half inch floppy disk that held a whopping 1.4 megabytes of information. You know. It wasn't, it wasn't that long ago, <laughs> okay? Just want to let you guys know. For these people looking at me like, you know, the young, younger crowd looking at me like, uh, what is he talking about? But yeah, that's how, that's how things were. We played the Oregon Trail and died of dysentery and all that stuff, you know? That was like something that, we, that I did as a kid, you know? But, but now, you, to have a, but you can have, he, the computers that we had back then, to have the processing power that we have now on our phones, it would take up this whole room, right? That's how it would be. It would take up this whole room to have a computer with that much processing power. It's crazy how the things have, have changed in that time. You know, and, and like I said, we used to play outside all the time. We, we stayed out until the, the streetlights came on. That was the term. You know, you stayed out until the streetlights came on, and, or my parents called me for dinner, either one. And that's what we did. You know, we played hide-and-go-seek and touch football and, and basketball, and we rode our bikes and did all these things, you know, caught lightning bugs and all different kinds of things we did. You know, and I, I remember seeing movies that scared me as a kid, but, you know, if my kids saw those movies now, they'd be like, uh, what's, what is that? That's like, that's nothing. Because they've seen so much worse, right? They've seen so much worse, you know, and uh, it wouldn't even bother them. You know, and, and, and when I was a kid, you know, we didn't, ta we didn't talk about sex or, or think about sex in that, you know, the way it is now. You know, the average child, but now the average child, you know, their first sexual encounter is, is like nine years old, which is like sad and sickening. You know, there were like no like wardrobe malfunctions or, or no one, you know, doing those things on, on TV back then. You know, and, and well the funny thing is, sorry, I'm like, but the funny thing is that when you saw like uh, a married couple on TV, they slept in separate beds. What was that all about? I, I didn't understand that at all. I never understood that, you know, but they slept in separate beds because I think it was like a law or something like that that they couldn't have people sleep in the same bed, like a man and a woman. And, you know, but now you can't watch a TV or movie sh or anything like that without sex in it. And if it doesn't have sex in it, then it's not considered good. You know, it's like, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy nowadays. My point, sorry about that, but my point, you know, in taking you down, you know, memory lane for me, you know, is to show how far we've fallen, how far we've come, how far we've fallen as a society. And, you know, and I believe that today, right now, God is looking for those willing to stand in the gap, willing to, uh, 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 to stand up and tell the world, tell the world that sin is wrong. Sin is wrong. He's looking for those who will, who will cry out for change and refuse to be led down a road to nowhere. Going down a road to nowhere. You know, and I'm reminded of, of, of Isaiah when he said, you know, in Isaiah 6, 8, he says, you know, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here, I, here, here am I, send me. That's Isaiah's response. Are you willing to stand in the gap? Are you willing to stand in the gap?
Are you willing to put yourself on the line for Christ? To be a light in the dying world? Are you willing to, to, to make a change or to be an influencer? An influencer, an influencer, an influencer, right? If you are, it starts with us taking it, standing in the gap. It starts, that's where it starts. It starts with us standing in the gap. You know, on Thursday this week, at 6 p.m., we start our monthly congregational prayer time where we take 24 hours to pray for our city. 24 hours, right? The day is broken down to, into 24 separate time slots, and we all take, we each take one hour to pray, right? It, you know, so I'm asking you, are you willing to take one hour to pray for our city? Yes, I'm trying to guilt you into it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I have no shame in, in guilting people into stuff. So, you know, but every month, you know, there's some spots left over, which I find interesting. And some people even, you know, take more than one slot. That's what happens every month. But there are more than enough of us here, right? It's more than enough of us here, you know, to take one hour. You know, if you, you know, and if you look there and there's like, all the spots are filled. There's no problem with you sharing a spot with somebody else. Because I'm sure, I'm pretty sure that God would be okay with two people praying at the same time. Just, just saying. Just saying. I'm pretty sure about that, right? You know. But also, what's so exciting is that Friday, at the end of the prayer, right? What happens at the end of the prayer? This week. That's right. We have our last outreach of the summer. It starts at 7 on Friday. And we'll be able to go outside and we'll be able to worship the Lord outside. We go into this little lot over here, for those of you who don't know, who haven't shown up yet. Yes. Guilt, guilt, guilt. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Um, you know, we see it. We go over here to this lot next to us and we, we worship the Lord and people, we can share the gospel with people. We can talk to people about the Lord. You know, we can do that right after our 24 hours of prayer. How awesome is that, right? That's good stuff, right? It's awesome that we can go and we can do that together as a congregation. But it starts with us taking the time, taking an hour or a half hour. Maybe you can team up with someone. Take half hour. They can take the other half hour. You know, you can pray like that. You can also do that. That's okay. You know, I think that's okay, right, Dave? Dave said, no, it's not okay. But, you know, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it's either you take an hour, you know, you don't. No, no, I'm just kidding. But that's awesome, though. The fact that we can come, and we can come and pray together, then we can come here and worship together and talk to people about Jesus. It's awesome, right? It's great stuff. That's what we can do as a, as a body, as a church, you know. But we, standing in the gap, that's what we're called to do, to influence people, to influence our, our friends and family, the people around us. That's what we're called to do. You know, so just to say that, I just want to encourage you guys to, to want to stand in the gap, to pray for those. You know, as I close, I want to say, you know, just think about someone or those who have stood in the gap and continue to stand in the gap for you. 
know, your mom or your dad or your, your grandparent, you know, or an aunt or an uncle, your pastor, youth pastor, you know, a teacher, a coworker, you know, that crazy uh, lady or guy in the church, right? Or, your or in your neighborhood who, 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 thought, who you thought was a nuisance because they, they always asked about how you were doing, right? And they said, oh, we're gonna, I'm going to pray for you. And you thought, oh, wow, it, they don't leave me alone, right? I mean, I've had, that, I've had those people in my life. But those people are praying for you. Those people are standing in the gap for you. Everyone here has someone who stood in the gap for them. Everyone here. Because if not, you probably, you, chances are you wouldn't be here. Just saying. We are all a product of those people who took time for them. I know I am. People took time for me. We're all, the, we're, we're all a product of those people. Now it's our time to stand in the gap for others. As one of the leaders here, I, whether you're here physically or on, on, online today, I can honestly tell you that the elders really stand in the gap for us. The elders and the leaders really stand in the gap for you. You know, we pray. We, you know, seek the Lord for you all the time. All the time. Now will you stand in the gap with us for others? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just come before you. We thank you for who you are, Lord God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you've called us to, to influence others. Lord, and I just pray that we will be a people who, who uh, Lord, people who stand in the gap. Stand in the gap for our city. Stand in the gap for our family. Stand in the gap for this nation. Stand in the gap for our friends and our neighbors, Lord God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would be a people, Lord, who, who seeks you. More than they seek the things of this world. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would um, continue to use us, continue to uh, grow us, Lord God, into the people that you've called us to be. You grow this community into the people, to the community that you've called, them, called it to be. In Jesus' name, amen.